Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today's cool fact of the day is Americans consume more than 69 million pounds of avocados on Super Bowl Sunday, which is awesome, except for what they eat with it. Also, you should know that the Haas avocado has a lot more fat and a lot less water than the much larger avocados you typically find in Florida or Central America. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. I've got on the line today with me, Trip Lanier. Trip's a men's coach and host of the New Man podcast, Beyond the Macho Jerk and the New Age Wimp. He coaches and teaches men around the world how to break out of mediocre lives and create careers and relationships they really want. And he hangs out with some cool guys like Tim Ferriss and Laird Hamilton and Ken Wilber on his podcast. So we're traveling in similar circles. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can already see he's wearing a t-shirt that says bacon in sort of cool like Sons of Anarchy letters and hats <laughs> off for that shirt trip. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Now, you've got like top 10 iTunes self-help list uh, as 
kind of where your podcast ends up. And it's interesting that we end up both talking about you know, relationships and performance and things like that. I'm over there. We hit number one on the health side. Your top town is self-help. How do you see kind of self-help coming together when on one side you've got, you know, eat more bacon. On the other side, you've got, you know, feel more love. Like where do bacon and love come together? Dude, that was a great question. <laughs> it's all love, man. When I think of bacon, I think of love. <laughs> Is there anything else, right? Exactly. But like, what is the crossover between, uh, you know, self-help for, for men, which tends to be kind of a new agey, kind of softer term, and right. health? And I, I don't think I'm either one of those categories. I'm guessing you don't either. But you know, how, how did you end right. up as a self-help guy versus, you know, a food guy or something? I don't know. Well, self-help versus food. I mean, self-help for me, I, I remember going through a, a period and, and just being really curious about personal development and everything, but realizing that most of the stuff was written for women and it didn't jive with me at all. Yep. And I, you know, if you walk through a, the self-help section in a, in a bookstore, you're afraid your friends are going to see there or something. And all those, most of those women, most of those books are written for women. So, um, the opportunity was to deliver personal development. That's in a vibe and a language that guys can get. You don't have to be some new age wuss to, to appreciate this stuff. And it, you know, and it's not for, it's, it's for guys that want to go beyond being the, the, uh, the macho jerk or the new age wimp. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say that you know we're trying to redefine what it means to be in personal development or self-help because uh, the you know when I talk to guys and I coach you know high high level high performing people they read these books that this stuff is on their shelves they are they are devouring this information but it's it's a little they like to keep it secret so um, but you know so so the new man is all about delivering this information in a succinct you know concise powerful way and, and opening that door for guys to start to have these conversations in their lives. So I'm guessing you don't own any Lululemon pants, maybe? No, no. I, I, I will say that I wanted to steal one of those Lululemon, uh, those, those mannequins. They have the greatest butts. Those are fantastic butts. <laughs> no, <laughs> I wanted one for Christmas. <laughs> I, I hear you, though, loud and clear. A lot of the you know, self-empowerment, like, you know, go to a team and training meeting. Uh, these are the groups of, of people who train to, to promote awareness for different diseases and they all get together and, and do a lot of you know exercising to go do chronic cardio okay. that's somehow connected to cancer i would say maybe causative but hey that's just me and uh but if you go to one of those it's like 80 percent women and 20 percent men who are smart enough to realize hanging out with 80 percent women might be good for their odds but it, it's funny how that that sort of whole vibe can just end up being way too female for the average guy at the, sure. Yeah. At the same time, though, you're finding there's a lot of people who listen to what you're doing who are who are guys who are looking at you know how do I improve myself from just a different like a different gender perspective. Really, what's the difference between the way a guy approaches self improvement versus the way a woman would? Well, I'd say the biggest hurdle for most guys is getting over this self worth piece or this fear of being found out or something that there's something wrong with me or there's some kind of weakness. That if I'm curious about how to better myself, I'm curious about how to to be able to maneuver through my relationships better or to, to create something in my life, that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me. It just means that I want to make my life better. And I think that's the message that's starting to come through. The other part of it is that, you know, a lot of wishy-washy language just isn't going to jive. Guys want results. And so I try to aim the shows more towards like, how do you do this? How do you do that? How to navigate this specific challenge? And, and that's been very, very successful helping guys clarify what they really want instead of this like let's just process our feelings kind of thing which you know sends guys out into orbit yeah it's definitely not and something. i don't have a it's that's not a bad thing but that's not what's going to 
that's not what attracts men to this conversation. No, it, it's not. Uh, it certainly hasn't attracted me. I'm, I'm a fan of personal development as much as anyone. And it's something I spend a lot of my own energy on because if you care about your performance, you might want to care about you know what's limiting your performance. All right, we had a Navy SEAL, a former Navy SEAL, uh, Mark Devine, on the show, and I think he yeah. gave one of the most in-depth, emotional conversations about shadow and his experiences with therapy and all this kind of stuff. And I wasn't expecting the conversation to go there, but I was so grateful that a guy like him would be willing to demonstrate real strength and say, like, look, this has been in my life. This is what's helped me. Because guys like him is just 10 feet tall and bulletproof. So, you know, if you look at a guy like him and see how he's impacting the world, seeing what he's done to make himself stronger, you know, he's been, he's been willing to go to these places that most guys, you know, avoid. Yeah. The thing about Mark, uh, he was on my show as well. He, he was one of my favorite guests, just a total badass. But the guy has a mm-hmm. porn star name. Like, it, <laughs> like, like that's you say that like it's bad, right? Like no, it's but, an, but I just a, imagine if I was Mark. He's like, like, look, I'm a Navy SEAL commander. I could kick everyone's ass. And he walks into the bar, and goes, "Hi, I'm Mark, Mark Divine," and the women just swoon. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. He he was just, he really impressed me. He he was just such a, a gentleman and so authentic. Exactly kind of the same vibe you're getting. And you're like, wait, this guy's like a serious ass kicker. Yet he's done more personal development than the average guy out there by orders of magnitude. And I you, think that's what makes him cool is he's got that curiosity, what's going to help me instead of playing defense. A lot of guys are playing defense. How do I avoid looking like a jerk? How do I avoid looking like a wuss, et cetera, et cetera? And, uh, you know, he models that, that curiosity. Yeah. Well, speaking of curiosity, you've studied with some kind of crazy people yourself. Uh, Ken Wilbur, we mentioned earlier, the hollow bones order. Uh, Big Mind, Vipassana, Taoism, or Taoism, depending on how you like to pronounce it. Mm -hmm. Um, You spend a lot of time on these things. What do you get out of going east, let's say? I think where most of the kind of Western personal development stuff is about helping us navigate the stuff that's in our lives day to day from the time we wake up in the morning to the time, you know, we go to bed at night, you know, relationships and money and all of these things are very important. But having those types of uh, those trainings, especially in meditation, is about just starting to see what's beyond that. What there's more to this life than the stuff we fill our days with, and I think that it's it's helped me immensely to have that understanding that this isn't all there is. My money, my sex life, my relationships, and da 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 da. All the stuff that I think is really important is just a speck on the map of all the other possibilities. And so those those types of, of uh, ways of thinking and being in philosophies have opened me up to just see, you know, it's part of that curiosity. What else, what's beyond all this other crap? And I, you know, I highly recommend if, if your curiosity takes you there, you know, be willing to, to go do a 10 day of a Boston retreat where you don't talk to anybody and you just sit there and sit there with your own thoughts. It's powerful. It, it is it's big stuff. I, I actually haven't done a Vipassana retreat. It's been on my list for a long time. The problem for me has always been that that finding ten uninterrupted days when you have a couple of young kids is is a big ask from a four year old, and I in seven days I do the forty years of Zen program, which is very intense. But you've got a, a computer leading you in what your brain does during those seven days mm. of growth work. So I, I tend to to focus there, but I've also done you know the four days fasting in a cave kind of thing. How many of Vipassana retreats have you done personally? I've only done the one Vipassana okay. retreat. I've done several of those Zen retreats, whether it was with you know, Gimpo Roshi or Junpo. Okay, so you've done some Zen retreats with, with some very acknowledged masters. 
Right. When you did Vipassana, which is 10 days in utter silence, in your case, you were not doing it in darkness, right? It was just... Uh, right. Okay. Right. And what do you... And that was through the Goenka school for people that are looking it up. There's lots of Vipassana stuff. Okay. We'll put links in the show notes too. Now, I'm just wondering, what do you get out of 10 days of silence? Like, what happens inside your head? Everything slows down tremendously. The the sensitivity to all the information that is always there is just heightened. I remember leaving the retreat and the world just seems like it's going 400 miles an hour. It's just like, oh my gosh. Um, I think that one of the big things that, that I took away from it is that don't need, if I'm looking to, there's, that there's a place that's within me that is very peaceful and very calm. And most of the time, the efforts are spent looking for something outside of myself that are going to bring me peace or that calm or that stillness. And so um, I, that's, a, that's a big deal for me. It was just you – know, that, was, that was the big turn for me is realizing that I could, uh, I could find that stillness. within. It, was, it wasn't out there. More money, more sex, more fame, more this or that. That wasn't going to be, be the real peace. The peace was already within myself. That's pretty big in 10 days. That's pretty big. And it's a glimpse. It's not, a, it's not a, a, an achievement like, okay, boom, now I'm there. I'm Neo and I don't have to, you know, I don't have to go back to this living in the matrix. But it is possible to have these glimpses and it's like, okay, I know that there. That's there. Like life, life is different from that point just because I know that that possibility is there. Yeah, understanding that there's more than, more than your meat is pretty important. You know, being made out of meat. <laughs> There's more than my meat, yes. <laughs> Although most of the time I don't believe that. <laughs> so you were just sort of saying in 10 days you get this sensitivity. I, I did something like Vipassana in uh, in Nepal. I went to Kopan Monastery and I did a 10-day like kind of Buddhism 101 where we were in silence, I think for about 22 hours a day. Um but for a couple hours a day, just because we were getting lectures on kind of how Buddhism works and all, uh, then we would ask questions and things like that. But it was, it was mm -hmm. a very meditative thing. And I spent another couple months in remote kind of spiritual parts of Tibet and Nepal. Wow. That sounds cool. Uh, we went to Mount Kailash. It, it was really cool, but just the same experience you described where things, things slow down and you just become used to a different pace. And when that happens, your sensitivity to like what's going on in, in your heart or in your gut or just in your body or in the world around you gets turned way up. And like, it, it's kind of, it's kind of like uh, if, if you look at the sensitivity of a microphone or something, if you turn the gain all the way up on the microphone in a noisy environment, all you hear is static. But when you take the noise out of the environment, you can turn the gain up all the way. And all of a sudden you find out there's all these sounds going on around you that you didn't really know were happening. Right. Right. And, now, now that we went from, we well, went from that's there, a, I would just want to make yeah. it. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a huge distinction because for a lot of the guys that I work with, they're saying things like, Oh, I want to find my passion. I want to have more meaning in my life. I want this, I want that. And, you know, I'm tired of running the rat race. I'm tired of just achieving, achieving and running up the ladder. And when I asked them, you know, what has you feel more expansive? What has you feel stronger? What has you feel more lit up? What has you feel more peace? What has you feel more love? What has you feel more free? They kind of look at me like, what do you mean? Because they've, for most of these guys, they've just been directing their attention outward. And they've not been listening to this stuff. And I think that's the real gift of a meditation or some, some kind of practice in that vein is that it, it, it challenges you to start to listen within. Because all this information is there. 
all the things you're looking for and you're trying to get from the outside world are if you just shut up and pay attention, you're getting information all the time from within, from your body and how you receive things. And, you know, that's the first critical step. If you want to change the path of your life, you don't like how things are going, is to shift that awareness from the outside more to the inside. And as you navigate through the world, what's draining you? What's weakening you? What's lighting you up? What's firing you up? And it becomes a very simple process of just saying no to the stuff that drains you and yes to the stuff that, that's, that's empowering you. It, it's really funny. I'm doing my, my fifth uh, 40 years of Zen training in another couple of weeks here. And what you've got basically is a lie detector stuck to your head. And one of the things that I do at, at an advanced level like this is I'll sit there in, uh, in a dark neurofeedback chamber, and, and it's, it's as spiritual as it is quantitative and, and whatnot, but I'll visualize like one thing I'm going to do with Bulletproof, and I'll kind of forward the scenario through in my mind, and I'll look at what my brainwaves do. And when I get really high levels of alpha, I'm like, that might be a good path to follow. And then I take another <laughs> scenario I'm considering, what I'm thinking about instead of feeling about, and I pursue that one, and my alpha waves are much lower. And it's like, mm. okay, I just use technology to check in like with my heart, basically, to figure mm. out where's the most passion, like where am I going to get the most back? Not the most financially, but just the most from like a passion and, and a spirit and uh, I want to do this perspective. Right. And by right. staying true to what I want to do or what call it my nervous system wants to do and honoring that, uh, I'm able to make better business decisions uh, as well as maybe have a bigger social impact, which is my goal at the end of the day anyway. That's so cool. I, I, you know, if you think about, you ask 99 guys out of 100, they're all doing what they should be doing, what the, what the culture thinks they should be doing, yeah. what their parents should be doing. You know, like it's all should. It's, you know, how many of them are actually doing what they want or like you're talking about really taps into that thing that they want to create out in the world. Guys I work with are wanting to do what they love and also make an impact in the world, do something that, that, that helps others along the way. And so it's pretty hard to do that if you're operating from some mindset of like, okay, what should I do? Tell me. Somebody tell me what I should do. They're putting their authority. They're giving up their, their power. It's all outside of themselves. So I, lo I love what you're talking about because it's talking, you know, really bringing it home and starting to have the, have the balls to really listen to your own gut. <laughs> I want to see how many, how many body parts we can get in there. Oh, that's right. Balls, guts. Uh, it, Heart, brains. It's kind of funny the way we use language like that. But it, it absolutely works in the model that I use uh, with my clients. You know, there's a gut brain, there's a heart brain, and there's a brain brain. Mm. And honestly, there's even other peripheral parts of your nervous system. And the idea that I'm going to put my brain in, in a box like you would on Doctor Who or something, you know, a little glass bubble with your brain, and it's still going to be you, that's not how the body works. Like every part of your body is part of your consciousness, and it's a distributed organism inside of you. And if you focus too much on one part of it and ignore the others, you're not going to end up having the optimal amount of brains or hearts or balls or guts or whatever else it is that, that we're trying to target there. Yeah. And if you're doing that, you know, you're putting now that you're, you're disintegrating yourself. That's where these guys feel so drained that, you know, they're waking up in the morning and they're just dragging ass and having to pollute themselves with things to get going. Um, you find alignment, find, find that alignment where you're a yes. You're, you're saying yes to yourself more throughout the day than no. Yeah. So in, instead of doing what you're supposed to do, and I, I spent a lot of time full of passion in the early days of cloud computing in Silicon Valley. I, I mean, my, I grew my career there. I was, I was there when we, we came up with the ideas that created cloud computing uh, mm. and even early e-commerce. But I don't know. I feel like it's just become IT. And, and in the last you know, five or six years, I'm kind of doing what I should do. And those are one of the things that drove me to start Bulletproof. Like I want to start helping people, and honestly, I, I could care less about 
one of a gazillion people doing yet another cloud computing thing. So I just found I had less passion for that. Even though I was right. still turning the crank, it wasn't providing the most good that I could provide either for myself or for others. And so I've, I moved over to doing the Bulletproof Executive thing full time pretty recently. And I'm pretty stoked yeah. on that. Good for you, man. I, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a leap. There's so many guys that, that want to do that be able to step from that thing over here and they're waiting for all the green lights and everything to line up before they jump. You know, I'm, I imagine you have a very powerful story about making that transition for yourself. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's definitely an ongoing process, right? And it's, it's definitely a scary thing to say, you know, I have a stellar career <laughs> after 20 years. Uh, look, look what I'm doing. This is some kind of new coffee no one's ever heard of, but it does magic things, right? It's, it, it's not, <laughs> it's a nonlinear jump. But one thing, in fact, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the Bulletproof podcast today was that you work with your wife and you have a daughter. So a lot of people I work with, like, I have a family, I have to provide, I, I, can't, I can't take care of myself, I'm taking care of these other people. So mm -hmm. you work with your wife and, and how old's your daughter? Like, like, talk a little bit about how you incorporate family with what you do and what happens with the guys you coach. Yeah, well, I've got a three-year-old daughter and my wife comes, she's a therapist, so she comes from a therapy background and I'm a coach. Um, and so, but there's a, there's a lot of overlap in the stuff that we do, which is just basically helping people cut the bullshit in their lives and go for what they want. So, um, you know, we've taught stuff together and, and I, I refer guys to her, some of my clients to her regularly, you know, they, they say they want to coach, but we get in there and it's like, I oh, actually need to do some healing. You need to need to, this thing, <laughs> this thing from your back, from your past is, is, you know, very much in your present and it's, and it's keeping you from focusing on your future. And, uh, and so that's a, that's a great context to have, have her come in and help a guy out. But as yeah. far as family's concerned, you know, I think that, you know, from my wife and I are very conscious about what's this all for? Like, what are we, why are we working? Like what's, why, why do we bother working? Is it just to pay the bills or is it, it's really, it's always been for us. Like what's the lifestyle that we want? We have these conversations about how we want to raise our daughter, where we want to raise her, like, what we want for ourselves, where do we feel most lit up, where do we feel most alive in what we're doing. And so once that stuff's out on the table, then we can work as a team. Okay, how can we help co-create this together? And it, it keeps us out of, a, out of a power, you know, either her or me or any of that kind of stuff. We're very much in a co-creative place. Like, okay, cool. Now let's see how we can create this together. Um, and I, I don't experience that too much in, in other people's relationships. They're just kind of trying to get by. And they get into a lot of she's right, I'm wrong, or I'm right, she's wrong. And if she'd only think this, then that. that you know, there's not very, a very co-creative mindset that, that I see taking place in a lot of relationships. With the clients you work with, how many of them do you think are just in the wrong relationship for them to achieve what they want to do? <laughs> a lot, a lot. Yeah. I, and, I, you know, I, don't, I think that... I think that if we look at everything in life, there's a natural cycle to things. We expect the moon to change. We expect the tides to change. We expect the seasons to change. We expect the days to change. Like we expect things to have an arc in the end. But for some reason that we're supposed to, our relationships are supposed to be static. And I think that that's a, you know, it's a lot of people treat their, that wedding day as a finish line. And I think it's, it's deadly <laughs> to do that. But if we understand that there's cycles, then there will be cycles within our relationship. And that may mean it's time to, to leave the relationship or it may be time to redefine our relationship. But I, what I see, a lot of people are just holding on to some static place that was good 
but it's not meeting up with reality now. In other words, it's not lining up with what does she want with her life now? What do I want with my life now? And how can we be in service of one another in that place instead of, well, a lot of guys, what, how, many, how many times do you hear a guy say, well, my wife would never, never let me do that? Like now he's turned her into his mom. Of course his sex situation is going to go downhill if he's treating her like his mother. So, you know, I want to help those guys start to see that the relationship is constantly being defined and redefined. And when, from, when we're in that place, we start to recognize, well, maybe this is the end of, the, of this phase of our relationship. And now we can start to address what we want now and how we can move forward together. So they may be in the wrong relationship because they're stuck in the past about how things should be or were then, but they're not actually in reality now about where they are and, and how they can move forward. That's a tough coaching call, uh, one to have. And I, I've been in the situation where, you know, you need to look someone in the eye and say, you're repeating the same behavior in this relationship you have in many others, and you're echoing it in your business relationships and what you're doing at home. And like, right. dude, you need a therapist. And like, your your parents were mean to you. You've clearly had some bad shit happen to you. And you haven't let go of that yet. Like, you need to mm. practice forgiveness. And you have to get somewhere. Most people, especially men, when you hear practice forgiveness or whatever, like it, it doesn't even mean anything in the West. Like those words, at least for me, what do you mean? I said I was sorry. Right. <laughs> uh, do you, how do you have a conversation with someone like that when you believe as their coach that they need therapy? Do you just throw it down in front of them like a gauntlet? Like how do you, how do you express this to someone? Because where I come from, New Mexico, by the way, uh, you know, you tell someone, well, you need a therapist. It means you're weak, probably crazy, and certainly not worthy, right? And like, that's the programming that most men got if they grew up in the West. Sure. How do you overcome that without having having a client just tell you to go screw yourself, hang up the phone, and you know, you're done? Uh, two parts. I'm, I'm willing to be fired at any moment in a coaching session. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> and I think you have to be, otherwise you're yeah. not serving them. So if, I, if I'm playing yes. not to lose, then I'm not serving anybody. But the other, the other point is that, you know, the, at least the way that I coach is, is really about helping them guide themselves to the, the solution they need. That they arrive at that place, wow, I do need some help. I'm seeing that I'm doing this. You know what? I, I think I need some help. So, you know, a lot of, at least my approach is about the curiosity, you know, and helping them come to this place for themselves. And that's the ideal. You know, anytime that, you know, the best ideas are the ones we come up with on our own. I could have told yeah. them something six months ago or six years ago, but until they land on it, like, you know what? I think I need to see a therapist. Like, great. First time we've heard about it. Third time. But, <laughs> you know, it's their idea, and that's when they're willing to go for it. So I, I got to be careful of my own agenda um, and not let that get in the way with, with a client, but, um, but, I, but also be willing to give it to them straight. That's, uh, that's awesome. And anyone out there who's looking for a coach or working with a coach, it's the most valuable thing. You, you want a guy who's going to tell you the unvarnished truth, even though you might not hear it the first 10 times you hear it, at least they're willing to give it to you. And I've walked the talk. You know, therapy was a part yeah. of my life for, for a while. I've, I've gone through it. So, you know, I, I have a coach. Like, I, I, don't, I don't ask clients to do things I'm not willing to do. Yeah, yeah I, I have a coach too. And uh, it's funny, my wife's a physician, but also a licensed therapist because of her work with drug and alcohol addiction. So it's kind of funny, we're both in a relationship where you can use therapy style words and just a level of, of thinking about what you're saying and doing that might not be achievable for some couples. Uh, 
do you get people where like the guy gets on a, a spiritual path, but his a significant other isn't or vice versa? Like I, I've seen a lot of conflict in people I work with where you know, one of the two is, is ready to step up and the other one is, is kind of stuck. Yeah, what I've been you- that guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How did you get out of it? What did you do? Uh, you know, the, I think it's, again, it's about coming back to the reality. Where are we? What do I want? You know, one thing I would, I would want to just lay out there for the listeners is avoid the drama triangle. What I mean by that is that a lot of guys will start to make a change or make a shift in their life, and then their partner becomes the bad guy. She needs to do this. She needs to be different. I need her to do da 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 And what's happening is that the guy is, he's, he's putting his well-being on his partner's actions. He needs that person to change in order for him to be okay. And so the first thing I would do is help him get out of that mindset of like, it's about you. This has nothing to do with her. Yes, you may have a desire for her to be different. You may, you may have a desire for her to be someone she's not right now. That's totally fine. But if you are going to anchor your well-being to that outcome, then you've given up your own power and you've given up responsibility for your own well-being. So I, I think it's, a, it's what I've learned through experience. It's really about creating an invitation and I think if the message comes from you're, you're not, I don't like you the way you are and you need to be different, you're going to get, it's not going to work out for you, okay? <laughs> and, and, and a lot of guys are in a relationship because of who they think the girl could be. They're in love with the idea of who she could be instead of who she is. So like, well, maybe she's going to turn this way. And my thing is like, get out of that relationship. If you're only holding on for who you think she could be in, instead of who she is, then that's a terrible dynamic to be creating from you because you're always sending a message of you're not really good enough you're not good enough yet so i i would just help him come from this place of creating an invitation be the guy to walk the walk if you're happier and things are going better in your life um you're going to you know people are going to notice that and they're going to 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 want to join that and if she's threatened by it so be it but i would just say instead of being the authority about how she should be Create an invitation. Hey, I'm going to go do this. Would you like to join me? I'd, I'd love to have you be a part of this. And if not, okay, cool. But uh, watch out for anything where you're the authority. Create the invitation instead. Great advice. Is that the number one issue that, that men ask you for help with? Or like, what is the number one thing people come to you saying, hey, I, I want some help? I'd say a lot. You know, it, it boils down to navigating relationships. There's things that guys want in their life, but they're afraid they're going to be the jerk. They're going to if they if they own that they want to do X Y Z, they're either going to lose their relationship or they're going to lose their career or whatever. So they're 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 playing small with what they really want because they're afraid of losing what they've got. And then I'd say that there's a lot of um, a lot of guys that just want more meaning. They want what you've done, what I've done, which is translate out of this place of just playing a role. And actually into, th- into something that they're more intrinsically motivated to do that actually makes an impact. Um, so I, I and, and I think there's, you know, uh, underneath all of that is just this desire, like, I'm tired of waiting to live my best life. I'm tired of waiting for that one magical day when I'll have permission to be the guy I really want to be. And um, that never happens. You know, there, <laughs> there's no magical day where you're going to have permission to do whatever it is that you really want to do in your life. So a lot of the coaching is how can we start to do those things now and build from there? Well, so then for your own internal use, how do you know when you're doing your best, when, when you're living your, like, what's your, what's your internal metric or how do you track to know that you're actually doing what, for your own uses, what you say you're doing, what you want your clients to do? It's, uh, it's the experience. How am I feeling? How, how's it working? And am I willing to be surprised? There's been things that I've said, oh, this is what I should like. 
this is this is where I think things should be. And then when I've had I've you know gotten to that place, I didn't have the experience. So I've learned that it's great to have kind of objective numbers or things to go for, but if you're not if you're not using that as a pathway to create the internal experience you want, then it's off. It's just stuff. It's just numbers. It's just metrics. It's not rooted in anything. The guys that I work with, I'm helping them kind of realize they've got gauges, gauges on the dashboard. They want to feel more free. They want to feel more lit up about life. They want better relationships. They want like real love in their life. And they want a sense of peace when they go to bed at night. So my questions are like, what are you doing now that are helping you with those big four? What are you doing now that we can grow so you feel more fulfilled? And if you're not asking those questions, then you, then you are blindly just kind of driving around and, okay, I guess this is what I should do. So, so you, you mentioned something really important there. You said, how do I feel right now? And that, that metric, if you just write that down every day, like once a day, how was my day? How did I feel today on a scale of one to 10? You can get an amazing signal out of that. But most guys in particular in the West, you know, we've been raised more like, like how am I supposed to feel? Like how really it ends up being, how do I think or, or what do I think about feeling versus how do I actually feel? How should guys in your experience actually know that they're feeling this versus thinking they should feel this? Ask the question, what am I feeling? So the first one, what's just the sensation? I'm hungry. You know, a lot of guys can, I can just say, like, are you hungry? You achy? Tired? Yeah. Right? And right. then, so there's like the sensations in our body. Just tapping into that. And if you really start to tap into it, you're like, wow, I'm just tired. I'm drained. Or, wow, I feel really sharp, clear. Oh, interesting. And then the other side of it is it's more that emotional intelligence. It's just, you know, okay, so happy or sad? <laughs> Mad? At ease. You know, just starting to work with real generalities. And then probably like a sommelier or some, uh, some kind of a chef, you start to really get in there and start, you know, be able to, to get into more of the discernment of what am I am I feeling at this time? Because it's always changing. Yeah, that, that question, how am I doing right now? If you ask yourself that about oh, 100,000 times a day. <laughs> uh, it's in flux. Yeah, you're having this little process running in the back of your mind, just like you would on a server, that's the self-monitoring process. And then you start wondering, oh wait, there was a big change in how I feel. Why was there a change in how I feel? Right. Uh, when I started out on you know my path of like realizing I needed to upgrade myself, I had, I'd say, just about zero self-monitoring going on where I I spent three days at this one personal growth retreat. It was like a 10-day thing. And the people I was working with, like, well, you must be feeling something right now. I'm like, no, all I feel is angry because this stuff is stupid, right? <laughs> like, I, don't even <laughs> I don't feel angry, but I'm angry. <laughs> right. Like, I'm like, yeah, there's anger. There's nothing else. And, and finally, someone said this little word judo thing. And she said, well, is there, is there a feeling in your stomach? I'm like, yeah, there's a feeling in my stomach. Like, are you hungry? Said, no. And they said, great. That feeling, that's called fear. And I'm like, that's stupid. But they hit it right <laughs> on the head. Like, I honestly had forgotten what it felt like to be afraid because there was no reason to be afraid, that whole thinking, feeling thing. And so my own path of, of working on being more bulletproof was like, gee, if I don't have the ability to detect all those little things going on in my body, then I won't be able to upgrade them. So what you just described there about how am I feeling, how am I feeling at this time exactly matches the experience that that I've gone through in terms of realizing how the environment around us affects my performance up here and why, you know, this cup of coffee is is 
fundamentally different than this cup of coffee, et cetera, et cetera, right? How many times a day would you say you're asking yourself, how am I doing? Oh, I don't know. That's hard it to constant? say. It's hard. No, no, I don't. I, I would like to think that I'm that present, but I, I, um, I can detect peaks or valleys. And that's where I was like, huh, interesting. It's two in the afternoon. Why, why? I wonder what's got me in this place. And I think that's where we start to link it back to our behavior. What choices have I been making that got me into this predicament? Right. And, you know, oh, I ate this, I drank that, or I cleared my schedule for the day, or I'm, you know, something else opened up. It's demystifying the process. So if you're willing to check in with your emotional experience and then start to look at the environmental factors that have, that have helped you, you can start to replicate that. Okay. You can start yeah. to like create the environment where you feel more of this and more of that. And I, the danger here is that guys want to do the, they want to find the finish line. They want to find that place where they're exonerated. And okay, now I figured out and now I always feel free and it's not it. It's, it's this constant, like kind of balancing the, the basketball on your finger. You're always moving. You're always having to pay attention and it's because it's always changing. And I think that's a, a drag for a lot of guys because they want to find the one thing and be done. They want to find the trick, the hack. And, and, yeah. and have it be done, but it's, it's really about what is it today? Well, I know from experience when I have a lighter schedule and I'm done by four and I go for a run and I do this, that's a great day. That's been a good day for me. Let me I'm going to try it again. And then, oh, well, wait a second. It wasn't the same today. What, what could be different and da-da-da-da-da? But a lot of guys don't want to make that effort. They just want to go to sleep. Yeah. Uh, heck, I just want to wake up. I keep working <laughs> on that one. Well, let's shift gears a bit. Let's talk about testosterone. How important is a man's testosterone level in your experience and in, in how he performs and his satisfaction with life and everything else? I think, I think it's hugely important. I, I definitely am not an authority in this. I've had several yeah. guys on, my, on, the, on the show to come and talk about it. I didn't realize how much testosterone governed other parts of our lives that, that, yeah. that helped us, you know, well, where is my well-being? And so I... I, when I when I saw that testosterone was closely related to those feelings of well-being, then it was like, okay, now we're talking about this conversation, freedom, peace, passion, and love. You know, so if testosterone's underneath that and, and something's you know not working there, it's going to impact our ability to to make those better decisions about what has us feel those 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 things. So I that was big for me when I when I didn't you know when when I finally got those dots connected and I saw how big it was. So, you know, because I think a lot of guys look at testosterone as, as simply kind of more of a body thing, but yeah. they didn't, they, they, I didn't get it. And I don't think that a lot of them get that it's directly impacting our ability to feel fulfillment and, and how all the experiences we want to have in our life. Yeah. If you don't have the right amounts of testosterone or it's not working for a variety of reasons, I don't think you're going to perform the way you should. I don't mean physically perform. I mean, mentally, I mean, stand up and be there and do the right thing. Right. Uh, um, my own experience, I, I had very low testosterone. Uh, I figured out when I was 30 because I was obese. I weighed 300 pounds. So I've been taking testosterone for just about 11 years now. And uh, some people you know, give me crap about it. Like, well, that's not natural. Like, you know what's even less natural? Not having enough testosterone because <laughs> you just wake up in the morning and your desire to, uh, to, to change things or to make things better or to make yourself better. It's just not there. Like you're flat and dull and, and it's like the world's in black and white. Right. When I see guys, especially anyone over 40, 
who come to me for ongoing um, performance coaching kinds of things. It's like, you got to get your numbers. Like when you know your testosterone and your estrogen and your SHBG, sex hormone binding globulin, to see if something's sticking to your testosterone before you can use it. And I tell you, there isn't a guy over 40 who lives in the modern world who isn't a little lacking in it. And if uh, you want to you wanna kick ass when you're 70, and running an anti-aging group, I, I come across this all the time uh, in, in older populations, man, you better be on testosterone. And mm. you know, if you're a woman, you may even need a little bit of testosterone. It, it depends on who you are as you age. Yeah. Usually you don't, but if so, it's just fractional tiny amounts but you probably have an imbalance of your progesterone. Mm. So I believe we owe it to ourselves as we age to keep our hormone levels where they were when we were about 30. And my goal is that when I'm 70, I'll have exactly the hormone levels of, I, that I did after I corrected them when I was 30 because I had jacked oh. hormones in my 20s and early 30s. Got it. Wow, that's fascinating. It'll, uh, it, it just makes such a difference. And when I'm working with people who, who get stuck and just don't have the energy and you know they're they've got you know the, the big gut and it won't go away with the normal techniques that work pretty well and you can tell that they just don't they're not bringing it it's like you look at thyroid you look at testosterone and all of a sudden your meditation practice improves because you put testosterone cream on your armpit like really but i mm. i see it enough that i totally think in my own case i wouldn't do the things i do if i didn't use technology to raise my hormone levels up to normal. I'm not you know, jacking myself and getting above the baseline for a guy my age, but man, if you ignore that stuff, you're totally missing out. Yeah. I don't think, you know, one of the things that, that one of the traits that I see in people that I really admire that are, that are doing really great things in the world is that they've all dialed in they're eating and exercise stuff, which impacts testosterone, obviously. But I, there's, I don't see anybody, you know, eating Twinkies all day and, you know, uh, you know, sugar drinks and that kind of stuff that can have the energy that they want. And, and so, but I, I'll, I'll talk to guys and I'll say, wow, so you want to feel lit up and you want to feel energized about life. I can't see how you would be on this little bit of sleep and the diet that you have and the stress you're putting yourself under. Like, I'm trying to figure out how you could even expect to feel a certain way. So, you know, give yourself a, a, at least a, a chance and dial in those practices and those ways of, of treating your body so that the, everything can, can get up to snuff so that you can have those experiences. But many people are just, they want to ignore the body thing. They think it's you know, just about how you look good in front of a mirror, but it's, it's really about how you feel, obviously. I mean, but people just have a hard time drilling that in, man. So, so what do you do? What do you eat? What do I do? I'm, I just try to eat real food. So I got my Vitamix in the morning. I... Uh, some kale, some protein powder, some fruits, you know, basically whatever we've pulled that's fresh. I uh, eat a big thing of that. Uh, big salad for lunch, maybe some chicken, some clean meat to go in there, and then some kind of version of that for dinner. I, I, I don't have a very extravagant uh, eating thing, but I, I just try to eat real food, real food so that's lots clean. Of eats, lots of meat yeah. and vegetables, not a lot of chemicals. Right. Right. Not a lot of processed stuff. Um, I, and I've just found that my body, you know, energetically, it's just off the charts. I probably eat more veggies than, than meat. Um, but I just, that's where it's, you know, my, just being willing to be surprised and try things. I've been at it for really paying attention to this part of my life for the last three years and just noticing where I feel more, just more strong and, and just notice little things about my body that go away. Like I've removed dairy for the last month 
because uh, and I noticed like little skin stuff that I just figured, oh well, I'm in the sun all the time, so of course my skin's going to kind of be a wreck. Um, have gone away just from removing yeah. from dairy. So it's, it, you know, it's not the same for everybody, but it's just that willingness to be curious. Like, wow, interesting. I didn't even anticipate that. So it's a skill to be able to correlate changes in nutrition and changes in like skin composition or those little white bumps I had on the back of my arms just went away and I, you know, just even know they were there and then notice that they went away. Uh, for me, that's been right. an ongoing path, realizing all these different correlations and just, yeah. I find it fascinating and kind of confusing sometimes, but the dairy yeah. one for skin is pretty, pretty tightly established amongst the people I work with as well. Yeah. yeah. So what are some of the other lifestyle habits that you come across that keep men from being their best you know, outside of food and things like that? Um, just in terms of lifestyle habits, I, I meditate every day. It's not, um, and I've just found that having that agreement with myself to sit down and shut up and listen and just ground myself in that place, uh, it may not be afterwards that I have this big kind of aha, like, wow, I can really see, like after a workout, I can feel the immediate thing about it. But with meditation in my life, I just notice that I'll catch myself being like, well, something happened. Like, shouldn't I be a little more reactive than that? Like, I kind of thought I'd kind of fly off the handle. I noticed that something will happen and I can even have a, have an emotional like, Ugh, but then I, I come right back so much quicker. And um, so it's not that my emotional experience is compressed, but it's just that I, I return back to that baseline um, much easier. And uh, so if I get spun out, I don't, I don't say spun out for, for very long. So I, I'm a big proponent of adding that to our lives. And I just think it's a great discipline to have, um, to just have our own time to ourselves. So I, I recommend my, my coaching clients do that. And then I'd say a gratitude practice, just something where we're coming back to the very essence of it's so easy, especially in the kind of work and personal development stuff. Our awareness is always on what could be improved, but very rarely is it on what's already going well. And I think that that mentality of not enough, not enough feeds into what everybody's got is some, there's some bug in us that feels like we're not enough. And I, and I, I see it a lot in the work that I do. I've had it in my own life, but there's a lot of that low self-esteem I got to prove myself, and that's a terrible place to live from. So the gratitude practice counters that, and just say, "What's already going well in our life?" And when when I ask a guy that, and I just say, "What else? What else? What else?" His well-being will shift in that moment. He he will like, "Huh? I've been focused on these one or two things that aren't going well, but I didn't see the 157 other things that are going great today." And so I I, I think it's huge to be able to have that awareness and the desire to change things and, and make things better too. But if we only live from that place of what can be improved, uh, I, don't, I don't see many happy people doing that. Yeah, uh, my experience is the same. You also write about something, one of the other things that made me really want to chat with you on the show today, something happened to you when you were 13, right? Mm -hmm. And just because you write about it on your blog, I'm assuming you're cool with chatting about it. Sure. So you're, it looks like your, your mother committed suicide when you were 13 and that Correct. triggered a huge a huge amount of, of like psychological changes in you ones that maybe don't rationally make sense are you up for chatting with people who are listening a little bit so that they can understand what we'll just call it a childhood trauma does to an adult's functioning later in life because i think most people don't understand the difference and you have lived that firsthand okay sure 
so what what happened? Obviously, your your mother killed herself, but what changes happened in your head? Like, how did it form your emotions? Like, what happened to you as a young man as a result of this thing that you would think happened ten years ago? Like, how could it be impacting me now? Well, first off, there it's there wasn't a model. It wasn't like I could look around and be like, "How do you yeah. deal with this?" And um, I don't. I think that it was such a a deep hit for me that I couldn't even process it for years. Like it wasn't, I couldn't tell, you know, I remember people in my family would be like, how are you? And how's this going? And it was like, well, I'm fine. Like I, I really couldn't try to actually feel the pain or stuff. I felt a lot more shame than anything. Like I was, I would, I would go through discussions and conversations and be like, I, how, well, how do I steer the conversation so they don't ask me about this or we don't talk about that? So that was the first big drain. I was managing and controlling conversations to avoid that topic. Um, but emotionally, it didn't really start to show up for me that, you know, I, I use the kind of the metaphor of like trying to outrun a train or outrun a, a tiger or something, um, that that's what was going on. And so, you know, I would never feel upset necessarily about my mother per se, but if someone, I, a friend of a friend or some, you know, somebody I kind of knew died or whatever, like I, it, that would just wreck me. You know, there would be, yeah. you know, this experience and then I, I could just feel the, how deep it went. And it was like, oh my gosh. So my life became smaller and smaller as I was trying to avoid things where I could be emotionally vulnerable and step off that edge. You know, conversations were, were smaller uh, because I did, I didn't, I wasn't willing to go in certain places, and so my life was just getting smaller and smaller. I was playing. I felt like I was playing defense a lot, trying to control, trying to manage. Um, I didn't have a lot of curiosity about the world. I just wanted to stay in my one little area where things were safe. I think I, I, I didn't date. I didn't pursue higher quality women because I didn't want to be vulnerable to them. I dated women that really shouldn't have had any business being with, but they were women that I felt like I could intellectually you know, stay two or three steps ahead and emotionally two or three steps ahead and I wouldn't be vulnerable. So all of that had a great cost, which was life wasn't very fulfilling. Life was just, it was flat and fearful in a fearful state. So what did you do then when you finally gained that awareness? What did you do to, to change not just the behaviors, but to change the wiring driving the behaviors? I wish I could say it was that clean. You know, it, it, I had my father had asked me to finally start to see a therapist, and this was like 10, 11 years after the fact, after, after my mom uh, killed herself. And I felt like I got an intellectual understanding of the event and why I was the way that I was. But emotionally, I was not having the experience. And I remember, I remember asking the therapist, you know, what's the end game here? And she said, ideally, you'd forgive your mother. And I just remember being like, it's completely... <laughs> Un, makes no sense. That will never happen. So we can stop now. I can, you know, we can save a lot of money and I can just go about my life. I remember just being like, that was unimaginable. Almost everything else was, was kind of, I could imagine, but you know, forgiving her just didn't, didn't seem imaginable. I was, I was, I was really married to that grudge and, um, it was not serving me obviously. So, um, I was going to the therapy, but then I was in a relationship and that relationship ended abruptly and, and it triggered all the emotional stuff. And so I was gone. Like at that point, you know, I think I lost 30 pounds. I wasn't eating. I couldn't leave the house kind of thing. I it just, I was a wreck. And this was going on for weeks, wow. if not months. 
And um, yeah, I just got a taste of that emotional world. I got I got a big taste of that <laughs> that that world and confusion and and uh, I, I couldn't watch television. I couldn't like I just all the media. I just didn't want to. Everything just hurt. You know, everything right. just oh, it was awful. And uh, and I also felt very private about this. I was ashamed like, because I didn't understand. I was like the weak animal that wanted to just go hide. I felt I didn't want anybody to see me this way. So um, at some point, things got so bleak that I was I was like, what do I have to do to stop this experience? What do I have to do so that I can not feel this way anymore? And one of the one of the options was to take my own life. Now I didn't consider it. But it was on the table, and it was in that moment that I, I got it. I was like, oh, this is where mom was. And everything wow. switched in that moment. When I got, I could see her point of view, and I could see why she did it, and I could see how everything else in my life was eclipsed. I could see where it was like, oh, yeah, I could get why someone would choose that right now. As stupid and you know, as silly as it might be, yeah. I got it. And something just shifted in that moment, almost instantaneously. It just shifted for me. And it was still a long road, you know, months. But I remember that's when the healing started. I I remember feeling the shift from that. And from that point on, it was like, you know, the sliver got pulled out, the splinter or whatever. And, like, things could start to heal from that point. So... After that, and you know, this was months or whatever, but I, I, that's where my real curiosity in this whole thing came about. Like, what the heck was that all about? What did I just go through? What did I just learn? I want to integrate that. I want to, you know, I was believing that there was no help out there when obviously there are resources and tools. And I, that was the thing that really set me on the path to this was, was realizing that as long as I stuck my head in the sand, all the resources and help was there for me. But I had my head in the sand, and, and uh, so I just, I just see that. I see that in other people and, and want to help out in, in my own way. You, you also had all the, the shame that was preventing you from seeking help, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. I think I'd opened up to it a, a, a bit, but it wasn't um, – it, was it, was, it was more just my own shame. You know, it, was, yeah. it was more just, you know, sh- yeah, yeah, all of that. It was like, oh, let's just talk about something happy. You know, I don't want to go there. So and I can feel some of it now, just as we're talking now. But I, I know that this, uh, I know that deep down this is what drives me, even if people that I'm helping don't. Um, it's not a desire to rescue people or anything, but I, it's just my knowledge that there's a completely different way of living that's possible for us. And yeah. I was living small, choosing to live small. And uh, if you, you don't have to, that's, that's not the only choice that we've got. Not at all, and I, so many people are, are living small when they don't they don't need to, but they just don't see it. And you had an event happen in your life that you know that contributed to you living small, but also helped to illuminate the amount of change that you could do. And now you're sharing mm-hmm. with other people. So hats off to you, man. That's that's really cool. Thanks. Now we're nearing the end of the show, and there's a question that I've asked every guest on the show, and that is top three recommendations for people who want to kick more ass. It doesn't have to be just your coaching practice, just everything you've learned in your life, the three pieces of advice that are most important for people. What are they? Uh, I would say pay more attention to your emotional experience throughout the day. What am I feeling? What, what am I, and really start to ask, so that would be number one, just what am I feeling? Just get in your body and start to live there, start to pick up those, those signals. 
because they're guidance signals. They're, they're saying, I want more of this, I want less of that. So if you have that information, that's crucial. Number two is to, is to start asking the question, what do I want? Many of us are focusing on our problems and why there's problems and all the reasons why there's problems, but we're not actually looking for a solution. We're not looking to create something on our own. We're not saying, we're not asking that big question of what do we want. We're leaving it up to somebody else or the world to make us happy, and that's a huge mistake. And then the third part I would say is um, stop waiting for some kind of magical day or magical time. We make, we make deals and bargains with ourselves that well, one day I'm going to have that in my life, and that's crap too. I have challenged, like, how can you start to do more of that today? So those, those would be my, my, my big three recommendations. Beautiful. Trip. thanks for sharing them. Thanks for coming on the show today. Totally appreciate your time. Would you please tell people where they can find out more about your coaching services and your podcast and your blog and things like that? We'll include all these links in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, go check out all the interviews that I've done at thenewmanpodcast.com. Obviously, you guys are on iTunes. Uh, so, you know, you can search for The New Man there. There's plenty of, plenty of great stuff there. And if you're interested in the coaching services that I have, you can go to triplanier.com, T-R-I-P-P-L-A-N-I-E-R.com. And there's a free ebook available about, you know, the, the best practices that I've pulled from being a host of the show, but also my years of being a coach. It's a free ebook called The New Manual. And you can find that at thenewmanual.com. Trip, have an awesome day. Thanks, man. Thank you, Dave. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.